Hi everyone, it's so good to see you, except I can't see you, but I know that you're on the other side of the TV screen that you're looking at this morning. Hey, um, so let's just pray. Father, I thank you for each and every one of us listening this morning, how precious each one of us is, so loved by you, Father, for we are your delight, we always have been and we always will be. Thank you that you've given us ears to hear what you're saying to us, for you are our very life, you are in us and you alone are in us and and you are what we breathe you are who we are you are our very everything so father we thank you for that amen so this morning i wanted to um continue a little bit along the same theme that sarah's been um, speaking on in terms of discipleship and apprenticeship um, i like to call it bond slaves of jesus bond slaves of love I thought we might look at one of these apprentices over the next couple of weeks, actually. And uh, so who is this disciple? Who is this apprentice? Who is this bond slave to love? Her name is Esther. I sense God nudging me to go have another look at Esther. It seemed like he wanted to show me some things I had not seen before. Maybe in the past I read through the book too fast to get my ch chapters done, right? To tick the box. Oh, how times have changed. I no longer read quickly through chapters and tick a box. These days I seem to meander through a book, through a chapter, through a verse, and go back and have another look and, and another. Maybe even mull on it, munch, ponder, read it in another translation, even allow Holy Spirit to connect some dots that weren't connected before. Munch some more, ponder some more, meditate even. That reminds me of that wonderful Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes, nor does he stand submissive or inactive in the path where sinners walk, a sinner being one who does not trust in Jesus, nor does he sit down to relax or rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. In verse 2 it says, No, but his delight and his desire are in the law of the Lord, what I would call the law of love. Why do I call it the law of love? Because Jesus said the two most important commands are all summed up and love Jesus with all your heart, soul and strength and love one another as yourself. So it's on this love law that he habitually meditates, ponders and studies day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted and tended by the streams of water ready to bring forth its fruit in season. Its leaf shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper. There is much to be gained from munching and pondering and meditating on the word, on love, allowing Holy Spirit to draw out the richness of heaven, the beauty of life, quenching our dry and thirsty souls. So let's ponder on Esther's journey. I thought we were looking at a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, one of the twelve, you might ask. Perhaps, just perhaps, there is something significant about her journey that really resembles one of these disciples after all. Won't you come with me as we wander through her story? In chapter 1, King Ahasuerus, not sure that that's how you say it, so from here on in I'm just going to call him the king. In the third year of his reign, Chapter 1, verse 3, he was showing off his kingdom. 
the riches, the splendor, the excellence of his majesty. He did that for about six months. And when those days were completed, he made a feast for all the people present in Shushan, the capital. It is interesting to note that capital cities is where the government is. And it is the government that sits upon the shoulders of our Lord Jesus. This feast was for all people, both great and small. All were invited. We are all invited into the wonders and beauty of the kingdom of our God, to the place where he governs, not in a domineering, controlling way, with threats and fear, but with unfailing love. In verse 7, we find that this king was a generous king. There was a royal wine was in abundance. And in verse 8, drinking was according to the law. No one was compelled to drink. For the king had directed all the officials of his palace to serve only to each guest as he desired. What an incredible law. Such freedom in that law. Freedom to drink only as you desire. It is our desires that determine how much we drink of heaven's wine. It is our delight in him that determines how much we experience the depth of our union with the King of Kings. Meanwhile, the Queen, in verse 9, Queen Vashti, was also celebrating at her own banquet. For the woman, for all of the women in the royal house, which belonged to the king. Let's for a moment think that she might be representing the bride of Christ. On the seventh day, now there's something about the seventh day. In Genesis we read that the seventh day was the day of rest. God had finished and it was now the day of rest. I've heard it said of recent times that we are in the seven thousandth year since creation. And if one day, a thousand days is to God a day, then we are in a season or a period in spiritual terms of rest. Not a doing nothing thing, but a place where we understand that he has done it. For Jesus said, it is finished. And now God calls us to enter his rest and to live from his rest. His completed work. Hebrews 4 refers to a people who did not enter the rest, and that was deemed to them as disobedience. Strive, therefore, to enter the rest, the Hebrew author says. Andrew Murray, in his book, Abide in Christ, says that the only thing that we should ever strive for is to enter into the rest. Here we are in the story. It's on the seventh day, the day of rest. The king called for the queen to come. He was so enamored by her beauty. He was so proud of her. He was so delighted in her, so pleased that she was his queen. He actually adored her. The king is calling us in this day of rest to come to him, for he so delights in us. He so adores us. He's so enamored by us. But Queen Vashti refuses. Was she caught up in doing her own thing? Did she have her own agenda? Was her heart stolen by someone or something else? Was she caught up with the woman that she was serving? Was she too busy building the church that Jesus said he would build? Did her ladies' party represent the church, the bride of Christ? 
Was she so preoccupied in doing that she forgot the being, the who and whose she was? Was the king no longer all-consuming to her? Why is it when Jesus calls, we do not come? For he is so enamored by you. <laughs> you were the joy set before him as he was tortured to death and rose again, giving his life for you. He so delights in you. You are his beloved. He longs for sweet fellowship with you. He longs to rule and reign alongside you, in you and through you. For this is our calling, is it not? This is our destiny, to know our union with him and to live from that union, inseparable for eternity. The king was not happy. He sought the counsel of his wise men and in time, advice was given to him to go find another queen. Find me one who will come. Are we not reminded of the parable that Jesus told of the king's banquet? Those who were invited did not come. So he instructed his helpers to go gather, go find people that will come. Esther came to the king's palace, along with many other beautiful women. Esther, an orphan, no mum or dad, for she had been raised by her uncle. She responds to the call. She leaves what she knows to enter the palace. Esther instantly finds favour with the keeper of these women, who now belong to the king. Such favour that none other had found, and this is before the purification process has begun. Before we even know Jesus, we have favour. This is not something one can earn. Esther had done nothing. She just turned up. This was something special about her. There is something about you that attracts favour. Could, could it be that because you're made in the image of God, that you have this inbuilt magnet for favour and you didn't even know it? How different you might hold your head. How different your countenance might be if you lived life knowing you had favour all over you. Favoured before the purification process. She is given seven maids from the palace and they are quickly moved into the best apartment. With lovely big rooms filled with flowers and beautiful fragrances, soothing aromas and gorgeous views, puffed up pillows and comfy furniture, I'm imagining. These seven helpers, just maybe these seven helpers represent the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11 verses 1 to 3 speaks of the sevenfold Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, it says. The Spirit of wisdom the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I will not leave you alone, Jesus said in John 16, but I will send you Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, to be in close fellowship with you. He will show you your unbelief, reveal to you Christ's righteousness and ensure you understand that the ruler of this world that you have just left has already been judged. The precious and wonderful Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, not speaking his own message, 
but whatever he hears from the Father. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will honour and glorify Jesus the King. He will take what belongs to Jesus the King and ensure that you get it. Well prepared you will be. What a journey Esther is about to embark on. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have all that we need in Christ Jesus, the word says. We lack no thing, for he is our shepherd king. There is to be 12 months of preparation for Esther. This period is for purification. Purification is often associated with water. And that makes me think of water baptism. Death to the old life, alive as a new creation. Orphan to some, adopted into a new family. Slaves to freedom, Egypt to the promised land. A commoner to royalty, out of the suburbs and into the palace. This 12 months of purification is 12 months of beauty treatment. And don't for one minute, you guys, think that you're not included in this, for you are indeed part of the Bride of Christ. The first six months is all about the oil of myrrh. Myrrh was an anointing oil used as gifts to kings in the Eastern cultures. The anointing of oil was an act that symbolizes holiness. Holy in Hebrew means set apart and different from all others. In 1 Peter 2.9, we read that, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love, I love that that talks about, so we proclaim his virtues, so we exude his very nature, who he varies his essence, not just not Bible bashing people with words, but actually being in a living epistle. We are set apart. We are royal priesthood. We are his people. We are called into his light. Myrrh is an expensive spice used for the making of perfume, for incense, for medicine, and for anointing the dead. That's right, anointing the dead. For in baptism we die with him and are raised with Christ in his resurrection. A total new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The old has gone, the new has come. The old has gone, the new has come. As the process begins, she realizes that her old life no longer exists. It is gone forever. She now belongs to the king. Gone is her old wardrobe, like actually gone. Those garments were not to be worn in the palace. Can you even imagine for a moment turning up to the king's palace with your work clothes, your home clothes, your gym gear, your running shoes, your slippers, your jandals and your gum boots? There is a new wardrobe that awaits you. A robe of righteousness, shoes of peace a shield of faith and a belt of truth and a helmet of salvation. What a wardrobe. Proverbs 31.25 says that strength and dignity are her clothing. Gone is her old way of talking, for she has a new language. 
The language of a slave is replaced with the language of a son. The language of a commoner is replaced with the language of royalty. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. The language of negativity and lies, of despair and hopelessness, of disillusion and disappointment, of grizzling and complaining have gone. She has all she could ever need or want. Negative, negativity and complaining, God showed me one night, is like taking a contraceptive pill. It will stop you from becoming pregnant with life. She is filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. She is thankful in all things. For is this not the will of God in Christ Jesus? Gone are her old behaviours. Can you even imagine turning up to the palace with your bad attitude, your rights, your social media and your opinion? Proverbs 31.27 says the bread of idleness, gossip, discontent and self-pity she will not eat. No longer does she criticize and judge. That same night that God challenged me about negativity and complaining, he said to me, and as for judgment and criticism, they are to be akin to an abortion, for they will take the very life out of you. She only sees the best in everybody. As this unfailing love is given to her, for her, through her. The very fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within her is divine love. It has the varying expressions as mentioned in the Passion Translation. It is joy that overflows. It is peace that subdues, patience that endures and kindness in action. A life full of virtue, faith, that prevails gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. There is no law against such things. This is, family, an inside job. This happens in the palace of the king. It is the work of the Holy Spirit beavering away on our behalf as we surrender to his beckoning. We are invited and awakened to a new life in Christ, a life of love and peace, of rest and joy, of ruling and reigning with our King. Why would we want to drag any of our old life with us? For we are dead to that life now. As we reach out to take hold of the King in his ways of being and of doing, there is no hands left to hold on to the old. It is leaving Egypt heading for the promised land. Will it take us three weeks or 40 years? How's your preparation going? Esther has finished the first six months. She is ready for the second six months of preparation, of sweet spices and perfumes, of things for purifying women. This, I think, is a really good place to stop for this week. We will pick it up again next week on the second six months of Esther's preparation. Will you come at the King's calling? Will you allow him to prepare you for the journey is so wondrous? 
Will you be all consumed by him, for him? Father, words don't seem enough as we touch on the wonders of your work in and through us. Let us taste more of you in our week. Let us run to you, especially in the midst of challenge and chaos, uncertainty and the unknown. For you are the all-knowing. You are certain, you are unchanging, you are dependable, you are loyal, and you are forever for us. So Father, we just ask you, be with us this week as we say yes to your call, as we say yes to your preparation. Amen. Amen.